with a closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George. Welcome to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. All right, good morning. Um, well, good sunny morning. And today I have the privilege of having three guests in studio, actually, and so I'm really thrilled about that. I have school district trustees Ron Polillo, Tim Bennett, and Milton Mahoney in studio. And so um, I'm going to begin just by asking... Uh, you guys to introduce yourselves just very briefly, but then I want like, so I'm just tossing this out at you. So you have to like, this is, they had no idea I was going to do this. Uh, what has been your favorite piece of literature, like as in book, or maybe, you know, if you haven't been reading, because that is sort of hard in this internet age. And cause I'm terrible. I've got like five books on the go, but I revert to reading stuff online. Uh, what, what kind of book are you reading? So let's, how about we'll put Tim on the line because you've been this trustee the longest. Yeah, good morning. Uh, thanks so much for having me. And you're right. It's, it's a beautiful day right now. And hopefully, I know the weather forecast isn't calling for a nice day, but hopefully, you know, that's not always the most accurate. Well, you know what? So. Let's, let's do the bad weather now and let's keep the good weather for the, for the summer games. Right? We're, we're two weeks away. So two let's, weeks away. let's yes. make sure the weather's great. Uh, you know what? I, I have to admit over the last, uh, year, I, I probably have not been reading nearly as much as I, I normally would. Uh, You've probably been reading. I've been reading, not not, but not literature or yeah, books, right? Yeah, uh, I made and on top of everything, I made the decision to go back to school to work my masters. So, oh, right now, so you've my, been reading tons. My reading has been though like marketing theory and oh. <laughs> uh, those types. Uh, you know, I think when I do have an opportunity. Um, I am a little bit of a, a sci-fi geek, so I do read like, some fantasy, some like, some of that. I'm, I'm a little bit of a Trekkie, so I've, I've kind of been now following some of the the stuff around the new timeline and uh, with with you know the relaunch of Picard and, and Strange New Worlds, some of those. Okay. Um, and then in terms of kind of the other stuff, I I really focus on. I, I also am kind of into like again. One of the most recent ones I reread the Moneyball book because I've been watching a lot of baseball and felt that that was just a, a cool thing to follow along okay. with. So pretty eclectic taste. Huh. All right. Okay. So then, Ron, we'll go with Ron. Next, Ron. Uh, good morning. Good morning, Ron. Uh, reading. Yeah, I, I have to. Um, <laughs> we've been very, very busy, but uh, I have. I've got about a stack of about uh, four or five books by my my bedside, and two I've been reading on and off for the past year or so. One is a. It's called Soccer Economics, and it talks about the economics of soccer. As, okay. as uh, people might know, I'm, I'm a huge soccer fan, player, coach, and referee, and, and um, it's a really interesting book on um, uh, how teams and um, managers and um, organizations throughout the world uh, manage soccer as a business. Huh. And uh, it's re- really interesting read. I've, I've been working on that actually probably for about a year now, and I've yet to complete it. <laughs> and then there's a, there's one book that uh, it, it, it's actually called the uh, the power of um, of team and and coaching, which I've been reading uh, on okay. and off for the past six months as well too. All right. Well, yeah. you have four books by your bedside. I have like yeah. a stack of like thirteen, <laughs> and I have discovered that they do not read. They're not absorbing into my body just by mm. being there. However, yeah. I, every time I look at them. Um, uh, then I'm going, okay, I'm still, you know, not reading these books. Um, apparently I have not introduced myself. I'm Trudy Clausen and I'm interviewing these fine gentlemen. Uh, Milton Mahoney, uh, have you, what have you been reading? What have you been watching? What's been going on? Patton. 
and that I've read him quite Patton, exten- like General Patton. And General Patton, I've read him quite extensively. He's um, a leader. Mm-hmm. Not always liked, but his men would follow him anywhere. Oh, um, he's an inspiration. Okay, and that he's a forethinker, and he just brought during the Second World War. He pretty so he, much. So he was the. British? No, the American American, uh, American Ameri- general. Yeah, American general. Um, he did what he thought was right mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes got in trouble for it. <laughs> okay. But anyway, Trudy, before I carry on, I, I got a disclaimer that I would like to read. Okay. Uh, because of recent events, which were a direct result of my last interview, I want to make sure that everybody understands thoroughly the following. I am not speaking for the board. I am not speaking as a trustee for fear that it might be misinterpreted that I am speaking for the board. Even though I am an elected school board trustee, I do not want to have any mistake or misunderstanding. I am speaking for myself, only myself. What I say is my thoughts and words. My last interview caused some individuals and groups to be upset with what I said. Perhaps they thought I was speaking for the board because within the interview I was referred to as Trustee Mahoney several times. This may have led to confusion. For the last four months, my narrative has always been the same. Even as I campaigned, there were groups that took exception to my platform. Even though I am a duly elected trustee, elected by the people of Prince George, from this time forward when I speak to citizens of Prince George, interest groups, staff, media, or anybody else. I will be speaking as an individual, not a trustee, for fear that it might be misinterpreted. I am sorry that it had to come to this, but due to certain circumstances beyond my control, this is the route that I must take. Thank you. MJ Mahoney. Hmm. Golly. Well, so much for democracy. (laughs) So that that that's an interesting question. How do you manage? How do you manage being a public official? So maybe I'll put this to Ron. How do you manage being a public official, representing the people of Prince George, representing the families of Prince George on the board, within your own personal opinions? How do you manage that? Well, we have a pretty extensive um, code of conduct and code of ethics Mm -hmm. that is uh, very clear and concise of what is expected as a trustee and as um, um, conducting yourself. So does that mean that you can't say what you think? Uh, You you can, but you you have to make sure that you speak on behalf, um, not on behalf of the board, and you're speaking uh, as a trustee and make that very, very, very clear. Oh, so, I thought I was doing that at every yeah. because I was aware that that was an issue, and so um, as I was interviewing, I think Milton's been here a few times. Yeah. Um, I was trying to make that aware, like I made it sure that to point that out at the beginning of every interview is that you know you are here speaking as as an individual trustee mm-hmm. and not on behalf of the board. Um, okay, how about you, Tim? How does that work for you? Yeah, and I think I think school. Trustees is, an, is a really interesting situation. Like when, when we look at municipalities, they're formed under the community charter. Mm-hmm. So individual councillors are are elected to serve, and and their their advocacy as individuals is a little bit different than what is set out in the school act for trustees, where we're really a a corporate governance identity, and it is 
it is a very fine balancing act. And I, you know, in the, in the last interview, I know, I think once or twice Milton had said, you know, I'm, I'm here as, as an individual. Um, and, and it is a very fine line. We all have to walk at times where we are, you know, how, because regardless of if you are in the grocery store as Tim Bennett, executive director of Big Brothers Big Sisters, or Tim Bennett, Ryan's dad, there's also those who are going to see you as Tim Bennett trustee. And and I think it is just sometimes such that fine line of of making sure that what you say and when you say it, regardless of the intent or um, is how it is interpreted by by individuals. So. But is that a good thing, though? That I mean, obviously Milton stepped onto something that he sort of maybe probably blew up in his face, uh, unbeknownst to the both of us. So how do you like? I mean, isn't that part of the thing that that prevents people from running for public office? I, I think it probably is one of uh, one of a few reasons why it is becoming why more and more people are not stepping up to run. So what can you do? I mean, you've been a long-serving trustee. Yeah. Um, I mean, what can you do to make sure that, like that kind of thing, um, that we're more open to people's? Because I think the 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 key, oh, golly, I mean, I, I mean, golly, I just don't want us all to turn into like these paper monsters that just are nothing. Yeah, and I I think I think part of it is, you know, I've 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 gotten myself into. You know, trouble on Twitter and things as well. Sometimes when, because I, I you know, I do try to engage, and I, yeah. I know you and I have had some conversations, yeah. and in the end, we've we've agreed to yeah. to disagree. And um, you know, I think I think that's hugely important, especially in a democracy. And I, I think that's important, right? At the end of the day, we're elected by the public to to serve the community, and it's our job to to make sure that we are representing the communities in which we serve. And, and part of that then is being accessible and accountable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think, you know, again, I think back to a conversation we had, right, is... Um, I'm not even remembering that right yeah, now. <laughs> well, right, but at the yeah. end of the day, right, is yeah. anything that I put out on Twitter or on Facebook, I need to be accountable for mm-hmm. my words and my actions. And if I said something that was misinterpreted or or said something that, um, you know, that's that's when I own it and, and move on. And I think, you know, Milton today, you know acknowledge that maybe something was, was misinterpreted and, and he's here to, to move on with, with that interview as well. So I, I think, you know, in terms of how do we encourage people to, to make sure that they are saying um, what, you know, what they need to say in, in a respectful way, I think these last couple of years have been more increasingly challenging as, as the world is becoming more and more polarized on, on a lot of topics. Yeah, and I know that's a question you have on, on your <laughs> yeah. list for later. Yeah. Um, is I think we need to get back into into a place where we can have respectful dialogue mm-hmm. and not always agree to disagree, and keep it focused on you know we're disagreeing with the issues, mm-hmm. we're not hating on the person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's one thing. At once that uh, and and yeah, this is not something that I had necessarily on my list of things because Milton's statement was, but. So here it is. We need to deal with it. Um, one thing, once I, I submitted a column for the, the Citizen, as some of you will know that I have a, a column in the Citizen, um, and Neil, Neil uh, replied to me saying, hmm, well, I don't agree with you, but I'll print it, And which, you know, I mean, he's an editor. That's what he does. That's what he's supposed to do. <laughs> um, and I said to him, I said, I think we both agree that there is a problem. 
We both agree that it needs to be solved. The only thing that we disagree on is how to solve it, right? And I think that really so much of what we do has just become a lot of yelling and, and screaming and, and judging people um, that have a different solution to the problem instead of actually looking and trying to solve the problem. So, I mean, so Ron, I think you have an Italian heritage, right? Yes. 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 I think I don't think Italians are known for... Um, <laughs> I mean, and, and of yes, course, it's a are, stereotype. We, well, no, it's well, it, it may be, but in my case, yes, I'm I'm passionate, and sometimes I can be fiery. But and, what uh, do you do when you have an argument with your Italian friends? Because I understand that there are grand arguments. Yeah, well, it's. <laughs> um, I, I think more in my family, actually. Uh, yes, um, but uh, that's one thing that was that was a, a learning curve for me and growth. Um, as someone who manages people and has done it for 20 plus years and and uh, someone who's led organizations and um um now as a as a trustee for almost 4 years that that was that was uh, a learning curve for me how to manage situations and how to have yeah you know, and Tim's right we have to have respectful dialogue and um and but- and I and I hear and I hear this quote all the time and I agree with it we've got to be tough on the issues but not tough on the people and as long as you have that sort of um, mindset and respectful and inclusive and understanding and actually listen to each other and not try to yell over each other, then I think you can have some healthy dialogue and, and some healthy conversations. All right. In the opinion of who? In Who gets to decide if you're, when you're being respectful, when you're being inclusive? Well, I, I, I think there's – I think it has to be um, mutually agreeable. Um I'm just saying in terms of a perspective, that's the way I try to approach um, conversations that may be heated or difficult or challenging. All right. Okay. So proceeding forthwith, we will, um, we've just got a few minutes before my break here. So, but I'll just, I mean, we are here. I've got three trustees in the room, but Milton apparently is only going to be talking as an individual. Is that correct? That's right. Well, I think we're all here talking as individuals. As individuals, and, uh, what about us not as tr- I want to get down to some issues about the schools. Okay, I want to get about the violence. I want to get about the education. Okay, and that. Uh, so, as an individual, this is very important to me. Okay, we have like two minutes or a minute and a half before our break. So let's just start on what you were violence. What were you talking about there? What are you talking about? Violence in the schools, in that it's um, it's prominent. All the schools have it. There's uh, sexual assaults. There's fear. There's intimidation. Teachers won't come out of the classroom because they're afraid. Students are afraid to go to the general washrooms. The teachers take them to the staff washrooms. This has got to stop. Hmm. And we're so busy trying to do other things, I think we've lost the focus on educating the students and keeping them safe. Hmm. I mean, I think most parents, when they're sending their kids off to school, they think that they're sending their kids off to a relatively safe place. How much of a problem is this, Ron? Well, I I don't know um, exact particulars of what um, Trustee Mahoney is talking about. Um, um, I've had my oldest just graduated from the public system here, and I felt safe sending her to school. And yes, there are occasional incidents, but... um, um, overall, I think uh, we have a very safe, welcoming environment in our schools. So okay. Okay. I respectfully, I'm not sure where he's coming from. But, uh, um, yeah, I, as a parent, 
uh, I feel safe um, uh, to send my kids to school here. Okay. Tim? Uh, I think, I know you have a break coming up. I, I think, you know, we have parents, we have 13,000 students in our district who the parents are trusting us to, to keep their kids safe at school. And when there are, you know, incidents that happen and, and, you know, we hear about it through the media at times where there's things that are happening. Um, you know, we have, we have a team, our violent threat risk assessment team and others who, who can come in and make sure that those supports are there. And, um, you know, we, we know that there are, you know, issues that are, are trying to be addressed. And, um, you know, I think over the last couple of years, we, we've talked a lot about culture in the school and making sure that people feel safe emotionally and, and uh, safe to be in our buildings too. And, mm-hmm. and we, we still have work to do with the culture, as, as uh, Milton had said, is if people are not feeling safe emotionally when our, in our buildings, um, we still have work to do there. Okay. And that's well, I'll end it because I know we have a break. Yep. All right. We'll be back from our after this break. Community Radio CFISFM needs your support. While our station is run predominantly by volunteers, money is always needed to keep the monthly bills paid as well as for the production of new local programming. Memberships, donations, corporate sponsorships, and advertisers all help to keep your local independent broadcaster functioning. For more information on how you can contribute to this vital part of the Prince George Media Mix, visit our website at cfisfm.ca or give us a call at 250-563-2347. Are you a leader who wants to take their leadership to the next level? Do you have an emerging leader on your team who needs support? At Pivot Leader, our Leaders in Business program combines leadership training with one-on-one coaching to help leaders just like you. You'll learn how to deal with people better, handle conflict, hire and keep staff, delegate more effectively, read financial financial statements, and learn coaching skills to move your team along. There's a less stressful way to improve your outcomes. We can show you how. If you'd like to be a better leader, reach out to us today at pivotleader.com. Pivot Leader will help you grow, train, and sell your business. Tops and Bottoms continues to provide the women of Prince George with great support. Make an appointment today and take advantage of their unsurpassed one-on-one fitting service. Tops and Bottoms will make sure that your bra is comfortable and fits you well. Need a new bra? No problem. Make an appointment online at topsandbottoms.ca or call 250-614-1553. Tops and Bottoms, great support for the women of Prince George. Forecast from Environment Canada, mainly cloudy with 30% chance of showers this morning. A few thunderstorms beginning near noon with wind from the southeast at 20K, a high of 19. Tonight, a few showers or evening thunderstorms, then mainly cloudy with a 30% chance of showers. Wind from the southwest at 20, becoming light this evening, a low of 10. On Friday, a mix of sun and cloud with a 60% chance of showers. The risk of a thunderstorm in the afternoon with wind from the southwest at 20 and a high again of 19. It's after 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. All right, Trudy Clausen back here with trustees Ron Palillo, Milton Mahoney, and Tim Bennett talking about um, talking about things in School District 57. Um, and I know that a lot of the listeners, I think, uh, what what is this called, boomer cast? So that age group would probably be having grandkids and great-grandkids um, here in uh, in Prince George in in the, in this in the schools here, um, and just again, I mean we've got these gentlemen here speaking as trustees, not on, on behalf of the board. Um, one thing that I when because when I ran for school district trustee f- almost four years ago now, uh, one thing that I 
was sort of thinking about a lot was like, okay, what are we doing with these extracurricular fees? And aren't we creating a dual, and I've written about it, a, a dual education system when you've got uh, school fees for extracurricular activities? Um, uh, how about Tim? Let's go Tim first. Yeah, I, I think first off, like, I'm a big believer in extracurricular. Like, I think, I think the benefits of sports and art and apparently my phone decided to talk to me uh <laughs> you know the, the benefits of getting involved in team sports or individual sports yeah. or, or competing on behalf of, of your they're school huge. they're huge yeah um growing up throughout school district 57 i i took part in all of those and mm-hmm. growing up well below the poverty line i know firsthand the challenges sometimes that those fees can have in, in your ability to participate, especially as you get into older grades and more competitive sports where where you're traveling and, and working with that. I know that at that point, there were a lot of resources in place to help families such as mine that I know families are still are still able to to access and support, whether mm-hmm. it's at the school level or, or through the community. You know, I, when I saw the question today, I gave a lot of thought to, you know, how the system you know, what the system can do to support reducing the cost of extracurricular. And, and I know that's something you've written about, I think, a few times over yeah. the last few years. And uh, I know it's something we heard loud and clear from our district parent advisory council as well. Is, is yes. how, do we, how do we lower or eliminate extracurricular fees? I, I think this also comes back to a bigger challenge that I, I think we all have right now is you know, there is only one taxpayer, and the taxpayer is getting pulled in every direction in mm-hmm. terms of how do we fund you know these government services education being one so the concern that i would have is if we're going to fund if, if we need to find a way to fund extracurricular where is that going to come from is that coming from other services that that are needed to provide in the school and i think again we all i think have advocated loud and clear that education needs more money and education now is being expected to do much more than just, you know, though, you know, back in the, you know, historically it was called the three R's, but, you know, ABCs, one, two, threes, education is much more than just that. Um, and in order to do that work, we need it to be, we need it to be funded. And we then, that then additional funding can help cover some of those extracurriculars that, that we're speaking about. But, I just, it would be very difficult right now to figure out how to fund extracurricular when we're still struggling to fund some of these core things that we're, we're trying to fund day to day. Okay. So Milton, how, what is the feedback that you've gotten from parents and, and how do you feel about what needs to be done in, in order to have more kids participating in those extracurricular activities, which are so important and vital for their social, uh, building their social skills and their leadership skills? What I think has to happen is that we have to cut down on the traveling. There's no need to go down to Williams Lake or any other place. We have enough schools here to have intercollegiate competition. Mm-hmm. Maybe the best can go down. Travel is an expense. We don't have the money for it. Mm-hmm. it that's bottom line. So you think you're thinking to change the system yeah. like how those like change, especially change. sports are done yeah change the system have the students compete against each school mm-hmm. within our district there's enough of them mm-hmm. um, it will give them qualities Co- competition is very good 
mm-hmm. and that it'll give them the exercise too that their children are not getting these days. We have to figure out something that's not going to cost us an arm and a leg. And when you send a busload of children out of the district, it costs. Yeah. And we just don't have the money. Okay. All right. Ron. Um, yeah, I think ultimately I agree with with Tim. There's only one taxpayer and there's only there's a finite amount, amount of money. Um, I know this is an issue as a board we've discussed uh, several times in our in our four years. And we've been really cognizant of um, extracurricular fees. In fact, I know during COVID we put a freeze. We mm-hmm. we actually, um, you know, I'll give you a perfect example. The um, the fee that you would pay for the math calculator that you need um, that was frozen for a couple of years. Um, so we, you know, we've tried to we've tried to do things like that to kind of manage it the best we can. Um, uh, it it is it is. Um, it is an issue. There are resources, some resources, like in particular community resources, like if your child uh, wants to play um, sports um, and doesn't have the money, um, we work with community resources in order to facilitate that. Um, you know, the one that comes to mind is like the Jumpstart program. There are programs out there that help um, 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 families you, and kids. You can't redesign the program to make it less expensive, so that, like Milton was suggesting, to well, so that kids can all participate in these activities. I'm I'm sure there's efficiencies um, that can be found, um, and and you know a lot of what um, of what Trustee Mahoney is talking about. I mean, there are city basketball leagues. Like right now, the schools play within the schools, and that may work within Prince George, but. Um, keep in mind, School District 57 encompasses quite a large area. Mm-hmm. How does that work for the Robson Valley? How does that work for Mackenzie? They don't have other schools to play with. They have to travel if they want to. Yes. Well, and but I think, like, with, like, sort of, hmm. I mean, because everybody, like, we all like to think that extra money is just going to solve the problem, but I'm, that's, I'm sort of pushing back a little bit and saying, like, isn't there an opportunity to redesign the program? Because I understand in parts of Europe, they don't have a system where the, the kids are traveling from city to city, um, unless perhaps there might be, like, a city league, but that's outside of the public school system. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and traveling in Europe, it is an entirely different reality than traveling in Canada mm-hmm. in terms of distances. And, and, and I don't want to you know, belabor this point, but um, um, yeah, absolutely, there's always efficiencies to be found. Um, but someone you know, who uh, continues to play sports in my 50s, I understand the great benefit. And we're not just talking sports. We're talking ban. We're talking yes. debate. There's all kinds all of, of extracurricular yeah. things that happen within our school district. Um, you know, um, they're, they're, we're very cogni- cognizant of that, and we, we do our best to try to manage it the way we can. And, and um, it, there are some community resources to help uh, children and families that, that, that just can't afford it, and we do our best to, to help them. All right. Okay. We'll be back after this break. The Alzheimer Society of BC has continuing online dementia education programs. Caregivers are encouraged to take in understanding communication changes to explore how communication is affected by dementia and learn effective communication strategies Thursday, July 21st from 10 to 11.30. Registration and full details on this session and others are available through alzbc.org. More information is also available through the First Link Dementia Helpline. Not-for-profit organizations are often on the forefront of leading important social and cultural change. 
In view of a dynamic and robust not-for-profit landscape, change has become the default setting for many organizations. Vantage Point's Leading Change, the 5Ws resource, gives perspective on the 5Ws of change leadership and how organizations can shift from managing change to leading change. This valuable download is available free through the downloadable resources page under media at thevantagepoint.ca. The ECRA is now open Monday through Friday from 9 to 3. Stop by throughout the day to visit friends with coffee and muffins available. There's also a daily lunch ready from 11.30 to 1 on a first-come, first-served basis. Eat in or take out. You can also pre-order each week's special Friday meal up to Thursday afternoon. Stop in to pick up the menu schedule or check it out at eldercitizens.wixsite.com. The Elder Citizens Recreation Association on 10th between Vancouver and Winnipeg. Watts Art Academy has plenty of great art workshops coming up. Learn to make organic watercolor paints. Pick up quality tips on color mixing. Sketch it. Paint it create a travel journal, or discover the art of watercolor botany. The next workshop is Sketch It, Paint It, Create a Travel Journal, Sunday from noon to 3 at the Railway and Forestry Museum. Find out more or sign up at the wattsartacademy.ca. Watts Art Academy Workshops. Get creative this summer. Featuring the people who make things happen in Prince George, you're listening to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. All right, Trudy here, back with uh, Trustee Ron Palillo, Milton Mahoney, and Tim Bennett. Um, okay, so let's uh, segue away from extracurricular fees, and, and we didn't even touch on the calculator fees. I mean, Ron mentioned it briefly, but it's like, and grad fees and all of that kind of stuff that I've written about. But let's talk a little bit about outcomes. Uh, let's start with Milton first this time. Uh, where is the district... In terms of other similar communities with with graduation rates and outcomes, I think we're below average. Um, I was down in Vancouver with Ron and uh, Tim. Tim didn't make it there; he had a baby. <laughs> and, I, and I learned quite a bit. I talked to different trustees from different districts throughout BC. Um, I got the feeling that we're lagging behind. Uh-huh. And, uh, from what they're from just hearing them that's my own personal opinion uh, our graduation rate is not the best I keep asking well, in over, fact we're quite low across yeah, well, from we're, no it, it's, it's hard to decipher for the simple fact is is that they want to compare indigenous graduation rate to non-indigenous and up to grade 11 they're within five percent yep and then both drop off in grade 12. Here in our well, district. In our district. Um, I put it down as a social issue. The the help for the, for all students is there. may not be in the future, but it is right now. Mm-hmm. And I do believe that the district is dumbing down. And that even though I, I ask quite often, are we raising the bar? I get yes, 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 but no, it's not. It, the bar is not being raised. And that I had a, uh, something that was put on my windshield here. It was all blacked out. I can decipher what it means. It, obviously, it came from a school um, somewhere within the district, mm-hmm. or maybe it's all the districts. It's, got a, it's called a recovery plan, credit recovery plan, grade 10 to grade 12, 40 to 50%. Send plans for students to the VPs. 
well, recovery plan, 40 to 50%. Credit, this is credits for high school graduations. Right. Now, what I'm thinking of is that if a student is at 40%, mm-hmm. he's a fail. Mm-hmm. If he's at 50%, pretty close to a fail. Yeah. So is this saying that they're going to put the 40% 50%? I don't know. But I can't get an answer either. Hmm. Ron, what do you say about uh, graduation rates and, and outcomes and how we compare? Well, um, it is no secret that uh, we have some challenges, especially with Indigenous graduates. But really, we just went through a comprehensive uh, report at our last board meeting, a framework for enhanced student learning that got into grad rates and um, all kinds of other really detailed data mm-hmm. that tell the story of what's happening in the district. And, and uh, you know, I've got it here right in front of me. And, um, you know, um, overall, um, Milton's right, non-Indigenous and um, Indigenous students, the, the grad rate for non-Indigenous were slightly below average, but non-Indigenous grad rates has been well documented. Um, we have lots of work to do there. Hmm. Um, and we've put a five-year strategic plan in place that uh, hopefully will ad- address that challenge uh, to a large respect. Um, we've um, um, we've 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 implemented a lot of strategies uh, to hopefully address it, um, and it's going to take time. And, so, and one of the things, just let me finish. Yeah. Um, just one of the things. It's going to take time, and I know the public thinks that you can implement strategies and, and plans and you'll get immediate results. It doesn't work that way. It's, it's going to, this is going to be a three-, five-year, maybe seven-year project, maybe even longer. Um, um, so we're keenly aware of the challenge. We've put, uh, I believe, a comprehensive plan in place and, and some strategies to deal with it, and um, we're going to need some time and, and some help. Mm-hmm. Um, um, to um, hopefully affect some real change. So how, um, what is different about this strategic plan compared to the one that was maybe written 10 or 15 years ago? Night and day. So uh, Very clear, concise. Um, I encourage everyone to uh, read the strategic plan. Um, it's got uh, four district um, directions. Um, and I can tell you right now uh, what they are. Um, truth and Reconciliation. Um, equity of access, wellness, and learning. So those are the four key directives for the strategic plan. It's much more focused. It's much more detailed. It's much more comprehensive. Um, and um, I think, I believe, it's an excellent plan forward for uh, enhanced learning and what the challenges that you know that are ahead of us the next four to five years in this district. Okay. All right. So, Tim, you've been the trustee the longest here. <laughs> Uh, would you bet your political life on this this strategic plan um, actually resulting in improved outcomes? Well, and I think so. To answer that question, <laughs> I know I'm sorry. Well, no, and and I I think it's important, right? Like we're we're elected to be accountable to um to the public, and, mm-hmm. and the strategic plan is is one of those documents. Yeah, I would say the strategic plan, the budget, are probably the two most important documents that the board looks at during its mandate, mm-hmm. right? Because it, it sets the plan. Yeah. Um, strategic plan, so the framework that, that Ron is referring to is actually a, provinci- a now provincially legislated document that we have to produce annually to the public that aligns with 
with the goals, and we build our strategic plan around the framework for enhancing. All right. Okay. But these are like just they look really nice on the wall. And absolutely. And and so to answer your question, I think bluntly, I think the strategic plan, if executed, can do great things for students. Okay. You talk about the fact that you know we had, and I think we're all we all did a really great strategic plan that was 2016 to 2021. Uh, it looks really great hanging on the schools, <laughs> on the school walls, and the board yeah. office. Um, I don't think we did as great of a job as a, as a district in implementing those actions. And I, I, you know, that is that is a cold, blunt statement. Mm-hmm. Um, the, this plan has been operationalized, and it's now our job as a board to ensure that we are executing the goals as outlined in the plan. Okay. And if we're not, then we need to be held accountable to that as well. I think at the last board meeting, and I will say in the last year, we have spent more time at the board table looking at data than we have in my previous time as a trustee. And I think in order for us to own our mistakes, we have to first acknowledge that there are mistakes and that there are errors. And there are, so in terms of if we're looking at, you know, performance, it's it's not just graduation, right? At the last board meeting, we looked at we have we have elementary students in grades two, grades three, grade four, where half of them are not reading at reading level. Mm-hmm. We're seeing transition issues between, um, you know, in high school between grade to grade. Mm-hmm. We need to be able to first off acknowledge and publicly talk about these these issues that are in front of us, so that then we can we can address strategies as to how to do it. And I know at the last board meeting, we had conversations that a few years ago we made decisions around uh, investing money in early interventions and in early literacy. And I, you know, I said at the board table, I was, I was shocked that our results were not higher because of the interventions we put in place. All right. So this is where we need to also be accountable to the taxpayer that we're utilizing the money as best as we can to create the best possible outcomes for students. Okay. All right. It's time for a break. We'll be back talking to School District 57 trustees. Join Two Rivers Gallery on Sunday from 1 to 2 for an in-depth tour of Reader Leisner's The Tree Planters, an exhibition exploring community, forest conservation, and more. In-depth gallery tours are the second Sunday of each month, led by staff and knowledgeable learning and engagement volunteers. It's The Tree Planters from Reader Leisner, the next in-depth gallery tour, Sunday from 1 to 2 at Two Rivers Gallery, where creativity flows in Canada Games Plaza. The BC Summer Games are July 21st to 24th in Prince George, and close to 3,000 volunteers are needed as we host athletes from across the province. There are many different positions available, requiring a variety of skills and or physical strength. Registration and more details are available at bcgames.org slash volunteers, or by stopping by the Summer Games tent at Canadian Tire between 10 and 4 through Friday. The BC Summer Games, July 21st to 24th, right here in Prince George. Visit Rita Leisner's The Tree Planters before it closes at Two Rivers Gallery. Take in the exhibition and meet the artist during the closing celebration Thursday, July 14th from 7.30 to 9. The Tree Planters is on display through Sunday, July 17th, but the closing celebration is your chance to hear firsthand from Rita Leisner about her work. That's the closing celebration for Rita Leisner's The Tree Planters, Thursday, July 14th from 7.30 to 9 at Two Rivers Gallery, where creativity flows in Canada Games Plaza. 
Plaza. Forecast from Environment Canada, mainly cloudy with 30% chance of showers this morning. A few thunderstorms beginning near noon with wind from the southeast at 20K, a high of 19. Tonight, a few showers or evening thunderstorms, then mainly cloudy with a 30% chance of showers. Wind from the southwest at 20, becoming light this evening, a low of 10. On Friday, a mix of sun and cloud with a 60% chance of showers. The risk of a thunderstorm in the afternoon with wind from the southwest at 20 and a high again of 19. Thank you for tuning in and staying tuned to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. All right, Trudy Clausen back with uh, three trustees from School District 57. So we'll start with Ron this time. Uh, Ron, we just left off talking about how um, the previous strategic plan had not produced the results uh, that were desired. And I think part of that... I mean, the pandemic restrictions could have played into that. I mean, how how do you manage, you know, going forward with a plan and looking at, you know, uh, what happens? Like, like, there's so many issues that affect the outcome of a strategic plan, especially in education, because you're not the only player in 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 the the children's lives, and you've got society, you've got cultural issues, and then possibly you have pandemic restrictions happening, like which what happened. So if you want to talk a little bit about that and the effect of the pandemic on school life and, and the education pro- progress of kids. Um, yeah, well, it's been well documented, um, the impacts of the pandemic. And, and I think actually it's probably the research the real research on on the impacts because we're actually still in a pandemic that people forget that covid is still around it may not be at the level it was two years ago um so um obviously um there has been some research um that has um um been published that um and we see it we we i mean we see it in um our um, uh, data that, that that we've seen it, and can you directly attribute it to the COVID pandemic? Probably not, but is it a? I believe an important factor. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And uh, and I think this is going to take time for it to, to play out as well too, because um, I said you know we're in a lot of respects, even though schools are pretty much functioning the way they were pre-pandemic those effects take time to materialize. Mm-hmm. And I think now we're just starting to see that. Um, so um, obviously that's going to be a factor um, the next school year and probably the school year after that, mm-hmm. uh, quite frankly, um, depending where we go with the pandemic, because it's not over. It's still here. All right. Okay. Um, and, 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 you know, and, and, and along, along with that, you know, I, I agree that, you know, in terms of a plan, it's, 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 it's always about execution. And uh, Tim's right. It's uh, the board's job to make sure the execution of this plan is is the best it can be in order to produce the results that that we need. And in the end, um, there's the accountability. Okay, so we'll go with Tim and then we'll go to to Milton. Um, Tim, what do you see? I mean, and this is, I mean, it's just hearsay, I guess, but uh, I heard that teachers are adjusting IPAs. Um, Is it IPAs? What is it called? Like the the, learning the IEP IEPs, yes. <laughs> um, because kids just were not meeting the standard, and so they were actually having to lower them. So, like because of the pandemic, that's. So, I mean, can you just talk a little bit about the effect of the pandemic restrictions on the educational outcomes of the students in the last two years? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think I think COVID has 
I mean, I think COVID has caused significant issues, um, and, and maybe issues isn't isn't the right word. Maybe it is, but you know, we we have two three years of, of students who were not learning in in the normal way in which they learned. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even even if I look at my family, right? I have my middle boy, uh, so child two enters kindergarten in September. Yeah. Um, he's going in with with one uh, one year of preschool. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, even even things like speech delay and. So is that something that you're seeing? I, I mean, again, this is this is looking at my family and okay. families that we know. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's tough for kids to learn how to speak when when they watch how people make sounds with their mouth when it's behind a mask and everyone's behind a mask. Yeah. Um, you know, it took it took Finnegan, my youngest boy, uh, two years before he ate in a restaurant. Like, the, yep. the, the, there's these things because everyone was everyone was you know, making decisions that were best for their family in terms of keeping themselves safe during the pandemic. Um, I also think, you know, this, this last, I mean, the, the chapter in the history book of the last three years is going to be massive mm-hmm. because it wasn't just, it wasn't just COVID. There were so many other societal things going on that I think, I think everybody is is living with such a level of stress and anxiety, mm-hmm. and that is that is going to impact the classroom. That's going to impact home life. Um, I, I think you know this is where we also, as a society, need to make sure that we're giving kids opportunities to be kids. We're encouraging unstructured play. We're encouraging them to go have sleepovers and, and be with their friends mm-hmm. because that's going to help. In the end of the day, help improve classroom results. Mm-hmm. I think our staff did an absolute fabulous job keeping our buildings running. We were one of the only jurisdictions that had kids in school throughout most of the pandemic. But we have seen it, that everybody is is tired, everybody is burnt out, yep. everyone is stressed, and we need, to, we need to ensure that we are giving people that opportunity to recharge as well so that it's going to improve student learning. All right. So, Milton, you, I think you have... A f- a daughter who's a teacher, correct? Yes. So just talking, thinking about what Tim was just saying here, like how, how do teachers manage this? I mean, they're getting kids coming they in. They don't. They don't manage anymore. They just exist. Hmm. They're burnt out. So what can you do as a trustee to help out? We have to get more teachers, and we can't get any more teachers to come to this district because of what's going on. They're tired of it. We've got teachers that are leaving this district because of what's going on. The strategic report is going to be great once it's fully done. But it needs work. There are mistakes in it. They won't. They got, you have to correct your mistakes. The school district has been so engrossed in decolonization, indigenizing. They have lost their focus on educating all of the students. So I mean, that was now, part of your platform, my, yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. Now, what it, what it comes right down to is that people have communicated with me, Indigenous and non-Indigenous, First Nations. They want their kids educated. They're, they're not in favor of, of, of all this coming down. There's only a, minor, a minority that are. They want their children educated. Hmm. And right now, we are not putting out kids out of grade 12 that can qualify into universities and succeed. 
they have to work very, very hard, harder than other students. Okay. All right. Now, to my point, also my platform, okay, the this advisory report and that we're following that pretty close. We are losing teachers because of it. We lost mm. another one, an Indigenous teacher. Hmm. Okay. And that, so I have to, to take, yeah. yeah. But to my point, we can sugarcoat it all we want. We're in trouble. And okay. we have to correct it. The strategic plan will do it in the long term, but we have to do it right now in the short term. All right. So we have one more break, and then we have the last uh, eight minutes after this break. Theatre Northwest is playing host to a second season of stage readings. This year's Pride series continues Saturday with Dragonfly by Laura Ray. Directed by local queer playwright and artist-in-residence Julian Legere, Dragonfly contains coarse language, homophobic slurs, and references to sexual abuse and violence. Tickets are available online through theaternorthwest.com. Dragonfly by Laura Ray. The next stage reading, 7 o'clock, Saturday night, at Theatre Northwest in the Park Hill Centre. Learn to make summer tea with the latest Ice Park installment of Food is Medicine on YouTube. In part three of the Tea with Fee miniseries, Fiona will show you how to create her favorite summer tea with natural ingredients like rose, calendula, St. John's wort, and mint. This wonderful mixture will help support your digestive system and lift your spirit. Check out this and other installments from the Food is Medicine series on Ice Park, Indigenous Sport BC channel at YouTube.com. The Indigenous Sport, Physical Activity, and Recreation Council is hiring a senior manager for their food systems program. This manager will be responsible for leading and providing overall strategic and operational direction for the food system program. Full details are available through the website ispark.ca. That's the Indigenous Sport, Physical Activity, and Recreation Council hiring a senior manager for their food systems program. Applications will be accepted until the position is filled. Learn the importance of advanced planning and what older adults should know about wills, powers of attorney, and representative agreements Wednesday, July 27th at your Prince George Public Library. Presented by lawyers Trevor Slaney and Carolyn Burkholder James, space is limited for this free two-hour seminar. Register by calling the Seniors Resource Centre at 250-564-5888. Estate and Incapacity Planning, a free information seminar Wednesday, July 27th from 1 to 3 at your public library. This is After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. All right, uh, Trudy Clausen back with Trustees Milton, Bennett, and Palillo. So I'm going to just start this segment off by saying, I remember when I was like 10 years old, maybe maybe 11 or 12, I, I finally read the front of my report card, which said the, said the aims of the school was to create, I think it was something like a model citizen. And I remember my little old 10-year-old self was just horrified because I thought the role of schools was to educate. And here it was, and I was like, this was the public school system in Alberta, so in the 70s, right? And, I mean, golly, I thought it was my parents' job to create a model citizen, and the school's job was to educate me. So, Milton, I'm going to start with you, because we've just talked about the, you know, improving outcomes, what can the school district do, and how, like, where do we go from here? How do we make sure that, you know, that four years from now, that we don't have just, that we don't go and say, oh, yeah, we had a great strategic plan, but it didn't really result in any change? Where I would like to see it go is you have to raise the bar. you got to. 
you got to compete. we got to put people graduating that can compete with the world. When I was young, I competed with a guy down the road for a job. These kids these days, they press a button, they're competing against millions. Hmm. And we have to prepare our kids for that. We have to educate them to that level. With what's going right now, and that, and yeah, I want to be absolutely clear, clear. The indigenous programs I want to see in the schools, mm-hmm. and that there's a way to do it. But there are some of this that uh, should be taught at, at the home. For example, for example, language it should be taught at the, at home. It's the same as other cultures, the history, the culture. The being of the indigenous people, I think, should be engrossed from kindergarten right through to grade 12, the mm-hmm. history in that. The language, I believe, should be in, in, uh, put forward around grade 8, and then, if the child wants to do it further, have at her. Mm-hmm. To force it, I understand that um, the indigenous people have had 300 years of aggression, and I'm wondering, I'm really starting to wonder whether they really want to inaugurate their language and, and culture within our system by force. I wonder if that is the way to go, and I don't think it is. Mm-hmm. And that now, education, like I said before, the strategic plan is great. But for right now, you have. I really believe we have put that on the back burner. But you're almost done in your role as trustee. Oh yeah, I am. But I'm mad, and that, and I think I'm going to run again in the fall. In fact, I'm damn near positive I am, and I'm going to put a coalition together. Now, in saying that, the Minister of Education is a fine person. I've met her in person. We've had great discussions. I I like her as a person, but as a Minister of Education, she's in over her head. Okay. All right, Tim. Like, what? Where yeah, do we go? How do we make sure that four years from now we're not in the same boat? Well, and I, and I think this is where th- there's a lot happening in our education system right now, and there's a lot happening in, in society right now. And mm-hmm. well, yeah, because that's sorry, and that's one thing that Milton's talked about previously is that the school is not the only influence on a child, child's life as it should no. be. But when you've got societal problems, like how do you navigate that? And and I think and I think that's a that's more of a, an answer that I can give you in you know four <laughs> minutes and, and yeah. still let Ron have a chance to talk. Yeah, I I think that. I mean, I think part of it too is we for the last two years have spent a lot of time also talking about all of the horrible things that you know are happening in School District Fifty Seven and and we're not taking the time to also recognize some of the areas of that we are we are doing well and and I think that's important. I think, you know, Milton brought up a, a point as well is and I think to echo yours is we have we have an opportunity as a public in three ish months to um have your say and and how you're talking about the election. I'm talking about the election, right? Yeah. Is the strategic plan is one of those most important documents by the board, and um, I, I think this is an opportunity for the public then to basically say if they agree or not. And I think that those who are are interested in creating change in the education system, um, 
October 15th is your opportunity. Same for those who want to create change right. in our community. Are you running again? Well, earlier this year, I was elected to as vice president of the BC School Trustees Association. So uh, my plan will be to, to run again. Okay. So I have that, that opportunity right. to continue He's that right position. Now. All right. <laughs> okay. So we have Milton as a very likely and Tim as for sure. Ron, how about you? I'll ask you. Are you going to run again? <laughs> I'm, I'm the interviewer. Were you expecting that question this morning? Probably I, not. I don't think I'm running for trustee, no. 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 How no. about you? Um, well, I'm not going to tell you. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So how are you thinking that, um, um, what do you think of the influence of, of wider society on the school's ability to improve graduation rates? Well, we don't work in silos and isolation. This is... A big part of our strategic plan is involving the community. And uh, in order for this to work, we need the entire community to be engaged in it, to, to, help, to, to help us move this agenda forward. So, and Tim's right. Um, we do have an election coming up this fall. And I would strongly encourage anyone who's really serious about this to actually spend some time reading our strategic plan and our focuses. Spend some time looking at the incredible amount of data that we have in this framework for Enhanced Student Learning Report and the Outcomes Report all right. and all the other documents. Okay. Well, it's time to wrap up. Thank you very much, gentlemen, for coming in. And we'll be back with tomorrow's political panel. After 9 is a weekday presentation of CFISFM. After 9 is produced by Alan Wishart, Eric Allen, Kylie Lewis-Holt, Trudy Clausen, and Rez Krebs. Executive producer is Reg Fair with technical assistance from Stephen Smith. Theme music is by The Ebbs. For a rebroadcast of today's program, check out the podcast link at cfisfm.ca. To provide feedback or suggestions for the show, please email cfisfm at yahoo.ca. You're listening to CFISFM Prince George, a not-for-profit community radio station broadcasting with 500 watts of power at 93.1 on the FM dial. CFISFM is owned and operated by the Prince George Community Radio Society.